Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast, and last week we saw some great racing over at Martinsville, as uh, Denny Hamlin, acting as Joey Logano, would say, well that's short track racing, so <laughs> quite a, uh, we had a scuffle on pit road after Denny Hamlin drifted up a bit into Joey Logano, and then even admitted, yeah I knew you were out there, but pretty much essentially he knew he was out there, but he had to take the space in order to make the exit. And uh, putting the blame off onto Joey, it seemed. Joey was obviously not happy about that. But Joey came back and said, I probably shouldn't have gone over there asking for, you know, expecting an apology for something I knew he wasn't going to apologize for. So, you know, he took a bit of responsibility there. Denny uh, seemed to just push all the blame over to Logano. There were uh, there were punches thrown, shoving done. Uh, Joey Logano's tire expert um, was is... Removed for this weekend at Texas. He's suspended for throwing Denny to the ground. Uh, what I found interesting in that video, though, is um, at at one point, Denny and Joey are yelling at each other, do you want to go, do you want to go? And Denny's yelling, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, get over here. And the guy that's holding them apart, I actually know him from the time I spent working in the media center, that's Ryan Blaney's PR guy, not Joey's. So another Penske guy, another Penske worker, but... I don't know how he got over there and involved in that scuffle, but hey, he held the two guys apart. Um, the shorter guy, the guy, there were two people, there's Logano and then uh, someone, I think it was Todd Gordon, and then a third person, that third person there in a white shirt, the shortest of the three, that's Joey's PR guy, I've worked with him before as well. Um, and he was originally in the middle of the scuffle, and then he was somewhere else um, towards the end of it, and then Ryan Blaney's PR guy jumped in. But So quite an interesting scuffle. I, I wonder if they're going to take it out uh, with each other on track. Joey is no, uh, you know, he's, he's had a few on-track incidents from one week stretch on to the next. Matt Kenseth comes to mind, and Denny Hamlin as well has had altercations that carry over weeks. And we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I'm excited for it. But I think the person, mo- the people most excited for Texas are the ones that are gambling on it. Maybe they can make some money on it. You got Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. five to one odds favored to win. Not far behind. You have Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, and Kyle Larson, all at seven to one odds. Followed by twelve to one Ryan Blaney, Brad Keselowski, and Kurt Busch. Eric Jones, William Byron, all at 25 to 1 odds of winning. From there, it just gets lower and lower. Alex Bowman, Johnson, Boyer, Almirola, Clint Boyer, and, uh, Eric Almirola. Clint was at 60 to 1. Eric at 80 to 1. Those are your two winners of practice today on track. The uh, top speed for Eric Almirola, I believe this was in qualifying trim, 188, 561. He got around the track in 28.638 seconds. About .032 seconds faster than Denny Hamlin in second. And in third, Clint Boyer, who was only .014 behind Denny. Uh, Clint's speed was 188.258. For those of you who prefer the uh, best speed over the lap time, personally, I like to look at the lap times and see the difference there. Because seeing the difference in speed, it's just... It's not a statistic I'm used to looking at. Maybe I'll get used to it one day, but I'm, I'm used to looking at the lap times and seeing, oh, he's half a tenth off or he's a quarter of a tenth off and going from there. But separating the field uh, all the way back, the 35th car in final practice was Timmy Hill, 31.567. So just under three seconds between the front to the back, which actually isn't terrible. 
Um, from there, it's a big jump. Realistically, the slowest car that was really keeping pace was 29.446, J.J. Yaley. So that's only about a second off, a little over, not even a second off, a little under a second, 0.8. But that's going to be interesting. The lowest person with any odds to win for Vegas, Landon Castle and Corey LaJoy, 5,000 to 1. So if you want to throw a dollar on them, you don't mind, statistically speaking, probably losing a dollar. You know, $1 on them could be up to $5,000 if some miracle happens. I still think my favorite quote from any guest that I've had, I've had a lot of guests on this podcast from, you know, short track racers, local racers, to NASCAR Hall of Famer Ray Evernham. By far, my favorite quote is Landing Castle Spotter. It was just uh, two weeks after Daytona. And if you listen to that episode, you would know uh, his quote in there was, yeah, we were out there leading the race. And when the when the red flag came out for rain, and when it was lifted temporarily, we came, we pitted, and we thought that would be the right move. Then they immediately put us back under red flag. We somehow managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, and I don't know how we're going to quite go off of that one. But hopefully, I would love to see that organization win. And it is rumored, this is purely rumor, uh, that they're looking to expand back to a second car for next year. If you recall, last year they ran the double zero and part-time the 99. Kyle Weatherman drove it. I believe Derek Cope made a few starts. But that was sort of a, a car that went out, scored points, and it was really interesting. I had a conversation with Derek Cope about it, and I, and I, and I asked, you know, with running a second team, you're using twice as many resources. There's twice as much work to do. Your transport costs are doubled. What, what's the benefit of it? And he says, well, you learn twice as much, which is, which is a given. But one thing that was really interesting is they took the second car out to Indianapolis, and this was the race I was talking to him at. I was at Indianapolis last year, and uh, in 2018, I should say. And I, I asked, you know, why isn't the second car running? I have, you, you guys have it out here. I see it in the garage. Why isn't it running? Other teams had paid them paid Starcom not to run that car. And I, f I found that in incredible. And the reason is, that's one less position they have to fight for. So they gain the money back that they spend, and a little bit more, by having one finishing position better. So if, let's say, six teams are expecting to be beaten by that car, you know, if they each pay a couple thousand dollars they will each make a couple thousand dollars more by finishing one spot ahead. And so they're pretty much breaking even and they get one, you know, spot better finishing position. I found that really interesting um, because it's, it's sort of, you know, now it's not a start and park car where it doesn't even start the race. They just don't start it. And this team still comes out. They get their costs covered and they're still making the same amount of money that they would have gotten if they had, let's say they finished... 30th, and there are 36 cars that start, if those six teams pay them, they're still getting the same amount of money, and now there's no chance of them breaking anything. And, you know, let's say something happens to the primary car, now they've got not only the backup, but let's say something happens to the backup. You have an Alex Bowman at New Hampshire situation, where you break the primary and the backup, well, now you've got another car there that you can use. Or... Let's say you don't want to go to the secondary. You'd rather use the 99 in this case. Let's say you wreck the primary double zero. You might want to use the primary 99. Who knows? 
And it's just it's just interesting to me, and I don't know if I've ever relayed that on the podcast. So that is something that goes through these team owners' heads, and that could be part of the strategy. So do I think Starcom will run a second team next year full-time? Almost certainly not. I can... I can say, you know, not having any sources to back this up or anything. I've asked Starcom and haven't gotten an answer. It's just sort of a question they've sort of dodged. They they work around it. And I don't blame them because this is like pertinent team information. Um, I've asked them and they've sort of implied that, no, they're not really going to run a second car next year. And for full time, I would I would really doubt it. They have the equipment to do it. I, I don't know what happened to their... They had to have had two haulers at one point, and I know they had two haulers because I remember them showing pictures of them. But I don't know what happened to that second hauler, if they still have it, if it's a backup or, or what. But I don't think that's going to be a full-time car if they do run a second one. I wouldn't be shocked if they made a couple starts with the 99, but realistically speaking, it's a lot on a team. You're doubling your workload for any given weekend and all the work done back at the shop. You're doubling the crew needed. It's just, it's literally doubling everything. And it it reminds me of the stuff that we have with my kart team here on campus. For those of you that don't know, I run a Purdue Grand Prix team. It's just a go-kart team, but I'm in charge of it. And we have two chassis and we only run one. And the reason for that is people, you know, a lot of people will ask me, why don't we run a second car? Why don't we do that? Why don't we have one really good car that can go out and win? Now, I'm not saying Starcom has a car that can go out and win. They're, they're just starting out. They need more time to build up their resources and everything else. They're an underfunded team, and I don't think that's politically incorrect to say that they're an underfunded team. But to to put all that together... It's better to have one car that's really good instead of two cars that are okay. So for my team, for go- the go-kart team, for example, I can put together a cart that I'm confident can go in the Grand Prix. I've been working three years to get a deal done to get a brand new go-kart, and, and it's being built right now. And we've, you know, we've got sponsors that have generously helped us greatly in, in getting this finalized with all the upgrades and doing everything right. We're getting a brand new go-kart, and I'm beyond proud of it. I love this thing. And people are saying, well, why don't we run the second cart? We'll run our backup cart. And we could. We could go out and do that. But we're not going to win, you know, if we do that. If we're dividing our resources and putting twice as much work on ourselves, it's just not the right decision. So I'm using this as an analogy for what Starcom is going through. We can put a car together that could go out and compete for a top 25. Or we could have two cars that finish 30, 30th and 33rd. I think they would rather, you know, a 25th place finish than 30th and 33rd. Granted, it might be a little bit more money. However, now you're paying twice as much crew. You got to pay for another hauler. You got to get another car through tech inspection. You're doubling all your costs and everything else. Are you really making more money in the end? Maybe, maybe not. So, to to put it simply... Uh, not definitively because I don't have a source on the inside or anything saying this is what we're going to do next year. Realistically speaking, Starcom Racing probably will not run a second car full-time. I can almost guarantee that that won't happen. Will they put a second car out there for some of the bigger races? Maybe. It's possible. 
I don't think they have a charter for it, so probably not the Daytona 500 because they don't want to have to worry about not being able to qualify in or something like that. But maybe the Coke Zero 400 if they don't get up to 40 or something like that. I think we could see a second car like we did last year. And I know we just spent a couple minutes talking about rumors where we usually try and stay away from them, but we'll just, I guess we'll round it out with uh, covering the last of these rumors here. Uh, Cole Custer to the 32, not looking promising. The owner of the 32 team, after just signing an alliance with SHR, uh, Stuart Haas Racing, for next year, technical alliance with them, he's come out and said, we want Corey LaJoy back. And realistically speaking, Corey LaJoy has said to me in the past, and it's in podcast episodes, hey, I want to go out and run for a team competitively. I want a full-time ride. And with Go Fast Racing, he's being competitive. He raced really, really well in Martinsville. And, you know, call it good driving, call it the team, you know, hitting their stride or, or both. It seems to be something that's working. So I imagine that the... 32 will be piloted by Corey LaJoy next year. Matt Tift is looking to be out for next year after suffering a seizure at the track. He's okay, thankfully, um, but the recovery time for that is in the span of months. So he would be out for the beginning of next season, which means he may be replaced, if not temporarily, then permanently in that ride. So we'll see who picks up. That car in the 36. John Hunter Nemechek is a name that's being thrown around a lot. That's probably just because he's making this start for them. I I don't know what the relationship between John Hunter Nemechek and Front Row Motorsports is, but it's apparently good enough that he'll be going out and running the car. So congratulations to John Hunter Nemechek. Hopefully he does well in his first start. He's in half-decent equipment. Front Row Motorsports is not the worst team out there, so that'll be a good start for him. And finally, it seems that Daniel Suarez, uh, it's being talked about that he's on the tail end of his contract negotiation. So once that is all finalized, you can hear about it right here on Bottled Up. You can hear about these things right when they happen if you join us over on the Flick Chat app. It's a free app. You download it. Basically allows me to communicate with you guys. You guys communicate with me. Maybe we'll have guests go in there and you can go and talk to them. Uh, who knows? Let's say, for example, Anthony Alfredo is going to be on the show uh, at some point or another. He might join the Flick Chat group and you can go and ask questions to Anthony. That's not, I'm not saying that's something that's going to happen, but. You know, it's going to be offered to the guests, hey, if you want to be on this app and talk to fans, that would be good. So if you want to talk directly to a NASCAR driver or crew member or whoever's going to be the next guest on Bottled Up, hey, you can do it right there. Other things coming up in the show, we're going to have a couple esports drivers on. We're going to try and get back with Malik Ray. He's agreed to be on the show. It's just been, we've been, uh, he had the Peak Antifree series, and you know, that's sort of important to be running in a NASCAR series, and we've been busy on our end as well, so we're going to reach back out to him, hopefully get him back on the show. That would be an awesome opportunity, I think, as well as our usual guests that come and stop by every so often. They'll be back, as well as Brian Tedeschi. He drove the number 22 in the NASCAR Heat uh, eSports League. He was one of the championship contenders, and he's actually a classmate of mine, and I compete against him in the Purdue Grand Prix, which is... Uh, Small world, really small, funny world, but he's one of our uh, biggest competition, and I think I got time for just a quick story. We were actually both at the racetrack a couple Saturdays ago, and we were running uh, our old equipment. We were just sort of going out, shaking our cart down, 
we had an older engine on there, an older clutch, basically the stuff that we knew we could break and it wouldn't like kill us. And then we would have good stuff for the, the race in the spring, the, the actual Purdue Grand Prix. And Brian was out there. He was running. He's the driver for his team. And we ended up in an accident. We, uh, we checked up early going into a corner because we were on older tires and he was on, a, I believe, a brand new set. Basically, just worst case scenario, he slammed into the back of us and his number panel wound up in my driver's lap. So when we pulled the cart off to like check everything over, uh, my driver looks up at me and goes, was that accident my fault? I go, we'll call it, we'll call it half. We'll call it, you know, like 50-50 split on the blame. And he goes, can I keep running? I go, sure, let's get you back out there. He goes, great, hold this. Hands me the guy's number panel off of the cart that hit him. And I go, I don't know what you want me to do with this, but but thank you. I guess I'll go give it back to the other team. They didn't want it back, so now it's hanging up in our workshop. I've got Brian Tedeschi's uh, Grand Prix cart number hanging up in my workshop now. But he's agreed to be on the show, and he has his plans for next year all settled. Also... Andy Seiss, he races, his last name is spelled Sue, so if you look it up, S-E-U-S-S. He was a modified tour driver. He made uh, a couple starts for Rick Ware Racing. He made one up in New Hampshire Motor Speedway last season. That was his first cup start. Going to be full-time racing next year in the Xfinity Series, showing that the modified guys can go out there and get it done. They're just as much uh, championship contenders. Well, maybe not championship contenders in a first-year team, but... Who knows? Crazier things have happened. Justin Haley has a win in the Cup Series for Spire Motorsports. Who knows? He's going to show that modified drivers, just like Ryan Priest, can go out there and be competitive. I think that's awesome. So he's agreed to be on the show, and we are organizing that. So expect that in the upcoming weeks. However, thank you so much for listening into this week's episode of Bottle.